This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome to Kindled Podcast. I'm your host, Haley Williams, and this is the show where we talk about truth and grace boldly. I'm so glad you're here. Well, hey guys, it is episode 106, and today I'm going to be talking with my friend Kelly Needham about friendship. Friendship is such a good gift. It's beautiful and God-given. We need friends. So why do we experience such heartache and hurt and pain around this topic as well? No doubt when I even say the word friendship, you probably experience a bit of a knee-jerk reaction to that. You may feel happy as you think of your closest friends or sad as you're reminded of a hole in your life and a desire for close friendships that you don't even have right now, maybe friends that you've lost, relationships that have been broken by sin or dishonesty or rejection or abandonment, friends who have hurt you, friends that you've hurt. So I actually had this conversation with Kelly just late this past week, a few days before you are hearing it air, and I decided to bump it up and have it air right now because we just got done with the holiday of Valentine's Day. And while Valentine's Day does focus on romantic love, there's also in our culture kind of a push to replace romantic love with friendships where people are disillusioned with commitment and marriage and romance, it kind of seems safer or more desirable to fill those spaces in our hearts with good friends. But we're going to actually look at how neither of those things, marriage or friendship, can fill those very real voids and places that are wounded and longing to be fully loved and fully known. So this is a, a really timely conversation and one that I know so many of you are struggling with. So many people have reached out to me and shared, you know, related to this interview and otherwise that they are lonely and that they are isolated, that they don't have good friends around them. They don't have people they can talk to and have deep conversations and relationships with and be known by. And so while I know this episode isn't going to fix that, I hope that it will encourage you and just be a pointer towards truth and towards the one who can heal those places in your heart, who can be the friend that is closer than a brother, the one who died so that he could be that for you and has proven his love for you with his sacrifice of himself on the cross. So may seem a little heavy to get that deep when we're talking about friendship, but it really is. That's There's no way to have this conversation in a meaningful way without going there. So we're going to talk about how God intended friendship to be and how it's been broken, and then what are some of the pitfalls we encounter in the wake of the fall in our relationships, both romantic and non-romantic. So anyway, bit of a long intro, but I just wanted to let you know that that is why we are talking about this today. And then also, before we hop into the episode and the conversation with Kelly, I just want to say thank you to everyone who has reached out to me, both in person or on Instagram or by email. And just, I want you to know how meaningful it is when you guys let me know that you are enjoying or benefiting from or just... 
I don't know, just having like listening to an episode and really being encouraged by it because this is such a, you know, I was just talking about isolation. This is such an isolating role to play to be the one behind the mic. You know, here I am in my office right now on a Sunday afternoon recording this intro. Nobody's around me. I'm not talking to anyone about this, you know, and it is hard to know what the response is. While, you know, I can look at numbers of downloads and such, like, that doesn't give me any indication of, like, did people like this? Did they find it helpful? Did they not? And not that, you know, whether people like it or not dictates what I air, but it's good to know and just be encouraged and to be affirmed that, like, what I'm spending so much time and pouring so much energy and thought life into is making a difference in someone's life or that they were just encouraged while they were listening and folding their laundry or, you know, cleaning dishes. So to anyone who has done that in the last few weeks, I feel like I've received quite a few messages, which is undoubtedly God's gift to me in times where I needed to be encouraged and needed to be reminded that he has given me this role and this mission and this particular assignment right now. And he's just giving me all of the little affirmations and and encouragements that I might need throughout my day or week as I am continuing to just march forward and do the next thing in front of me. So just wanted to say thank you if you have been one of those people. And if you want to be one of those people, you can do that, of course, by reaching out to me directly. And another great way to do that is to leave a review on the podcast. As you know, those help the podcast to get found. So, okay, without further ado, here is my conversation with Kelly Needham. Kelly, welcome to Kindled. Thanks, Haley. I'm so glad to be here with you. I'm so glad to be chatting with you. I, first off, love the title of your book. I think it's really cute. <laughs> I know, maybe you weren't trying to be cute, but it is cute. Friendish. It totally was uh, was my husband's idea, by the way. So I that can't even fun. claim that he's like the title guru. So yeah, that's <laughs> awesome. Well, before we get into um, talking about friendship today, I would love for you to introduce yourself to the listeners. Sure. Well, yeah, my name's Kelly. I am a wife and a mom, a lover of Jesus, first and foremost. And I've spent most of my days doing really normal things, flying to emails, checking my kids' folders from school making dinner. And then in some of my spare time, I've done some writing and I just came out with a book this past year about friendship. Awesome. How old are your kids? My oldest is nine. So it goes down from there, nine, seven, and five. And our youngest son, who's five, is adopted from India. And we're actually in the process of bringing home a little brother from India Mm -hmm. as well. So we're on our way to four kiddos. Hopefully this year we'll we'll have him home with us and then I'll have a one-year-old. So. Wow. Is it his biological little brother? It is or, not. No. No. Okay. Just but little brother. Yeah. Gotcha. Just a little brother, but they, they'll share their heritage and being from India together. And we love that for them. So that's so cool. So the other thing I like to ask guests right off the bat, before we even get into the topic is where you're seeing God's grace in your life. Mm, that's a great question. I'm seeing God's grace in my life through him exposing some old wounds in my life that haven't fully healed. So that hasn't actually been a fun, fun process, uh, as you could imagine. But after I released Friendish, I kind of took some time to just rest and recover from an intense season of, you know, writing and all that. And it's been really great in that time. I've, I've just had a lot of emotions and it's been a, a huge grace of God for him to 
just show me some areas in my past that I maybe just kind of rushed past Mm -hmm. and hurried through and that feel like he's been leading me by spirit to go back to some of those places, Mm -hmm. process them, talk with friends about them and counselors and grieve some things, you know, work through um, unforgiveness. It's been really great and a little painful, but it's certainly been where I've seen his grace the most. Yeah. It is such a work of the spirit because we can't choose. I mean, we just can't choose to to bring ourselves through them. You know, we, nobody would right. like, you just would no. not be like, I really want to go process this and, you right. know, like go back <laughs> to this place and have to dig up all this stuff that I didn't realize I had not dealt with. Like, but it is honestly, like you said, his, his grace and his kindness to us to, mm-hmm. to bring us through and at just the right time, you know, and that's what yeah. I've seen in my life is his timing is, is never early and never late. It's just when it needs to happen. And you're like, wow, I could not have handled this a year ago, you know? Exactly. (laughs) But you knew when to bring it into my life. So Mm -hmm. yeah, that's great. Well, I want to talk to you about friendship because, you know, you're kind of the, the, the expert here. (laughs) You've written a book about it and you have, you know, a, a ton of articles on your blog and lots that you've written to help women understand biblical God-honoring friendship. And I think this is a really timely conversation right now, which is obviously you agree because you wrote a book about it. <laughs> and But we just, we see such a cultural shift in the way that we understand friendship and what it is to be a friend and what that looks like and what's required. And I don't even know all of the ins and outs of it. So I'm sure you can help us understand. But before we get into that, like what kind of starting out with with a definition what is biblical friendship what does that mean and what should that look like just yeah. a, just a small question there sure uh, anytime we, <laughs> small question right. <laughs> anytime we attach biblical to something i mean all we're saying is how does the bible inform us to think about this and when we look at the scriptures the way i would summarize it it tells us to think about friendship is that we should be first of all more concerned with what kind of friend we are to others than what kind of friends we have. And that's already a little counterintuitive to what's normal and natural for most of us. But the scriptures call us to find our worth in Christ alone and then in our relationships to others to count them as more important than ourselves. And so even in our friendships to not be self-seeking in them, but to think, how can I be a friend to this person? Not how can I get friendship or whatever benefits I want from them? Mm, Yeah. Well, that, I mean, that's convicting right off the bat because I think everyone listening has probably looked at friendship and the first thing that comes to mind, you know, when you, for me at least, honestly, is, oh, the burden of, you know, of the friendships that I wish I could have Mm -hmm. more time for or the people that I don't see as often or what what I wish this friendship looked like or what I wish this other one didn't look like. Mm And that's kind of my instinctive reaction to the topic of friendship is it becomes very me-centered and me-focused right off the bat. Totally. And I think that's all of us. I think that that is very normal and natural for us. And when you read the Bible, it's very apparent that's a human condition. You read the New Testament, even Jesus's disciples who are following him and walking around with him are asking very me-centered questions about all sorts of areas of life. And he's constantly trying to reframe how they think about something with God being what they're looking to for their significant security and stability, and then turning around to their peers and and giving something, not just being in it to get something, but being 
in it to give something. And we just don't do it that way. Friendship for all of us starts out with, I'm in this friendship to get something. I, I want to get my loneliness uh, relieved. I want to get attention and someone to you know, celebrate me or be there for me, or who's going to be my place of stability when everything around me is shifting. We are naturally in friendship to get something. And that's how we're trained by the culture around us as well. And you'll kind of even see a lot of reasons given to you culturally for if a friend isn't giving you what you want to just kind of cut them out of your life. Right. And that feels really great to us. (laughs) And so- It's really easy to believe and walk in that. But if we're going to say, I'm a Christian, I follow Christ, then he's calling us to a way to, of doing friendship that's very countercultural and very backwards to what is our normal behavior in this area. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you started touching on it, but what do you feel or what are you seeing is happening today, you know, in our specific time of being alive? What is happening to friendship or what has happened to it? Yeah, well, I, it's certainly getting a lot more airtime than it used to, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. I mean, you don't have to look very hard to notice that in movies, in books, in TV shows, and, and even in our um, merchandising, like things that, that we have to look at and buy at stores, friendship is kind of buying up the real estate. Um, and I think that some of that is that we live in a culture that is increasingly disillusioned with marriage, with the idea that you'll be with somebody forever in marriage. Kind of there's this assumption, well, this may or may not work, or I want to sleep around with whoever I want to. In our romantic relationships, there's just not a lot of hope in the stability of that culturally in in the United States. Mm-hmm. And I think though, people really still want some kind of stable family unit. And if they're not going to find it in a romantic partner, then they're looking now to friendship. And so some of the biggest changes that we're seeing in friendship, especially in women, not just in women, but it's definitely further down the road in, in, in the female lane, mm-hmm. is you're seeing women buy houses together. Uh, you're seeing women, uh, an article just came out recently about women deciding to raise children together, not as a lesbian couple, but as two best friends Hmm. who decide we're going to um, either get artificially inseminated or adopt. And we're going to raise children together as a new kind of family unit that we are seeing friendship take the place of marriage as the new foundation for family. And I mean, we see little hints of that in even the quotes that you find on Pinterest and stuff like that. You know, friends are the family that you choose for yourself. Yeah. Or best friend is like a a sister that I chose for myself kind of thing. So that's becoming a family unit. And I think friendship is a great thing, but there's dangers when we kind of put it in this role that God did not intend it to be in. Yeah, that's so true and so profound. And I, I can't help but think back to like my earliest memories of having friends and just how dysfunctional and broken my understanding was of friendship as a, you know, seven or eight year old, like young enough to not really understand that what God intended for friendship, but old enough to realize like, I need to have friends, you know, Mm -hmm. and I want friends. And I remember 
I really thought that you could only have one best friend at a time. I mean, and maybe (laughs) technically that is true, but so what I would do is I would take turns with my friends. I would be like, okay, I had these two friends that I would cycle and I would be like, okay, this week you get to be my best friend, but then next week she gets to be my best friend and I can't Mm -hmm. be your best friend at the same time. So it was like, just so weird, but, and you know, not that I, I think there was like true ill will there. It was just that I, I didn't understand. And yet we, I formed my own context and understanding for friendship. And then I made rules around it. And then I live by those rules. And that's, I guess what we're mm-hmm. still doing, you know, totally. We're doing it on an adult level, but I think we're all still kind of doing that. Well, and I think what you experienced, you know, you, you called it a weird thing, but I, I think it's very normal to do that, whether somebody's actually walked that out or not. There's a reason BFFs are so important to people because there's something about the exclusivity of a relationship that feels safer for us to cultivate intimacy in, Right, which is traditionally why people have longed for marriage so much. Well, I have my person, my one other person who I have to call at the end of the night. They have to be there for me. Right, And so a best friend relationship can kind of imitate that kind of exclusive covenantal relationship that marriage is or should be. Mm. And it feels safe to cultivate intimacy and go deep with people when that's not there feels risky to us. But that's actually what God is calling us to do because he wants our stability and our security to be in our intimacy with him, not with other people. And that's what enables us to go deeper in those relationships. So if we don't have that with him, we're going to look to other people and we want that exclusivity to feel safe in it. But that's actually where unhealthy issues can grow. And and in marriages as well, by the way, Mm -hmm. I mean, I know marriage is the only union that God has commanded and called to be exclusive and that he calls one flesh. But that doesn't mean as a Christian that you're to find your hope, your identity, and your ultimate longings for intimacy satisfied in marriage. They are still Mm -hmm. to be met in God. So the issue is still the same, married or single, but friendships are, are never meant to be exclusive. They're never called to that. That's not mm-hmm. usually a healthy thing in a friendship. Yeah. And it's so, it is so countercultural to reject that idea, you know, of the BFF. And I mean, everybody wants that. Everybody wants mm-hmm. to have that one person, like you said, that is kind of yours. And it's like a, an ownership or a claim on them or, or mm-hmm. yeah, like they, they are there to meet my needs and I can rely on them. And very quickly, if not instantly starts to become the relationship that only God is to be to us. You know, like you said, it could be our husband. It could be our best friend. It could be a sister, you know, it could really be anybody, but it it is such a slippery slope from just the friendly, you know, Oh my gosh, my best friend to now I'm being completely let down and disappointed by this person because they can't call me every day like they used to, or one of us had a kid and our relationship had to change or, you know, they moved like, any number of things that come in and threaten to kind of tear that thing down can really upset the balance that you have created for yourself, you know? Totally. Yeah. And that's a scary transition for all of us in our friendships <laughs> because of that yeah. very reason. We, we put so much hope and stake in it that we hardly realize it until it's shifting. Right. So, I mean, you mentioned about how some of, you know, women buying houses together and friends making, becoming family, you know, foundations of a family, which is a little bit mind blowing to me. And I think for most listeners, they're probably like, well, of course I'm not doing that. So, you know, I'm Mm -hmm. not, I'm not out of line here with the way I'm handling friendships. Okay. So what would be, you know, bringing it down to like, you know, you've got a godly woman who really wants to honor God and wants, wants to have good friendships. Like 
what are, what does it look like when friendship starts to take a place that it shouldn't have in the woman's life who is not necessarily, you know, she's married and has kids or, or doesn't have kids, but is like happy in her life and, and feels content and like she's finding her security and identity in God. But what might friendship look like when it is starting to, you know, maybe take a place that it shouldn't have? Sure. Well, honestly, sometimes it's really hard to see. So I'll, I'll just say that we can be, this is an issue we can be blind to for a long time and nothing register in our, our conscience that something's mm-hmm. wrong. But the easiest way to tell when something's off is when something disrupts that friendship and you notice within your own heart some jarring emotions and feelings. It, that could be that friendship's disrupted because a new friend kind of mm-hmm. joins the group or your your friend makes a new friend. Your friend goes through some kind of change like moving a new job, she's dealing with a sick mother or parent, having another child, you know, all, all those kind of things can be a version of disrupting a friendship in your in your experience of it. And when that happens, if your heart kind of has this knee-jerk reaction of fear, anxiety, uh, jealousy, uh, a feeling of, hold on a second, this is my friendship and this is how it's supposed to be and I don't like this thing that's interrupting. Yeah, all, all of those emotions that are kind of our knee-jerk reaction to feeling like something's slipping out of our grip that matters immensely to us and we want to just cling tighter to it. Yeah. Um, that's kind of a way to know you've probably put a little too much in that friendship that isn't mm-hmm. supposed to be there. And that's why you're afraid of losing it. That's why you're afraid of that new friend joining. That's why you're afraid of your friend who just started dating that guy or fill in the blank thing. And all of those moments are not a moment to feel condemnation. That's actually a moment of grace from God. It's a way that he, by his spirit, is going, hey, I need you to see that you're letting this person, who I've called you to serve sacrificially, you're letting them become an idol, a source of joy, comfort, and peace that only I can be to you. It's an Mm -hmm. invitation to write that relationship in your own heart and run back to the Lord and go, God, I'm sorry that you are not my ultimate place of satisfaction right now. Or I think I need Mm -hmm. this friend more than I need you. Or this friend seems like more reliable than you. And I need to work on my relationship with you here. You know, it's an invitation to return to him. But that's the easiest way to see when something's off is when something disrupts the friendship, all those emotions are really powerful and rise up in your heart pretty quickly it's a sign for you to take some time to evaluate your heart in that relationship. Yeah. That's a great way to kind of, I don't know, just create a boundary line for yourself too, to notice and have that like prick of your conscience that goes like, Oh, I probably shouldn't be so mad about this. Like, but Mm -hmm. I feel I'm, I am mad. Or you see those friends like maybe who hung out and you weren't invited and you're Mm -hmm. like, wait, why, why not? You know? And, and maybe there's validity there to have a conversation. But at the same time, it's like, wait, did I think that I always should be invited? And totally, we've all felt that way. And I think like one reason this is such a hard topic for us as women, and especially those who are moms is because, you know, the season of motherhood can be a really lonely time. I mean, you are obviously your life is no longer kind of about you. It's no, you're not at the center Mm -hmm. of your universe where you're like, how do I want to spend my time? Oh, well, I am going to prioritize these relationships and make time for happy hours or coffee dates or whatever. I mean, that becomes, you know, much lower on your list of priorities in terms of, hey, well, I have this other human to take care of. 
I have other people's needs that need to get met before mine. I can wait. I have to be patient. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, suddenly years have gone by and our friendships have kind of suffered or just changed. Even, even if they haven't suffered, they've, they've changed and what they Mm -hmm. look like can't be what they used to look like. And it can all serve to just really isolate you and make you feel like, man, I'm alone. Or even in, in the case of like, the stay-at-home mom, which I stay at home and work from home. And so I some, di- some days I don't talk to another adult until my husband gets home. I mean, maybe mm-hmm. outside of texting or Instagram or something like that. Like I might only see my kids that day or, you know, cause I'm doing drop-offs at preschool or whatever. And, and there really might not be a legitimate conversation that I have with an adult until he gets home. And if I, if I dwell on that reality, I can really make myself feel sorry for myself, you know, and feel (laughs) like, man, I'm, you know, here I am, like, I have no adult interaction and it, it, it is lonely. And that is a challenging, you know, reality of being a mom. But I think the lie is that all I need is to see my friends. Like all Mm -hmm. I need is a girl's night or all I need is some some true one to one to one person com- connection and it's not that any of those things are bad or that those shouldn't mm-hmm. be priorities but that isn't all i need right and those right. even when i get those things i still might feel lonely because mm-hmm. if i truly am not finding friendship in jesus that 2 hour hangout or even deep conversation with a friend is not enough to fill that loneliness that i'm feeling that's totally right and i think that's a new thought for a lot of people that ultimately our loneliness is satisfied and relieved in relationship with God. Most of our thoughts about loneliness are this is a people problem, not a God problem. Mm-hmm. But the reality is that even if you look back at you know Genesis 3, loneliness first entered the picture after Eve was created. Um, it's when sin enters the picture that Adam and Eve withdraw from one another and from God. They isolate themselves in response to sin. And sin is only solved in right relationship with God. And of course, you know, I'm sure, I know you would say this, and I'm hoping every listener knows this, that we are not meant to do life alone. We need right. friends. They are super important. If anyone comes to me and is like, I've got me and God and I'm good. I don't need anybody else. I would say you have an unhealthy understanding of what you need as a human being. Yeah. So th- this is not me saying you don't need friends. Right. You need them desperately. You should be in a local church. You should be fighting to build them. But like you said, if you think those friends and companions will solve your loneliness problem, mm-hmm. you will find that it is a, a losing battle every time because yeah. every hangout, every friend, it will always feel like something's missing. Well, and then you'll friend hop or friend group hop or mm-hmm. small group hop or whatever it is until you find the right, oh, this finally is making me feel not lonely. But that's not going to yeah. happen until we start cultivating a deeper intimacy and friendship with God. And then we can actually receive from those other people what God has intended us to. People cannot ever solve that problem. And I think what motherhood does is it often just exposes that we've always had a misplaced understanding of where our belonging, our sense of belonging comes from. And it's just the first time that maybe we're really limited in being able to hang out with all the people we want to, all the times that we want to, it limits our friends from being able to hang out with us when we're free. Yeah. And so it just exposes that I thought my friends were going to help me feel like I belong and I'm in a relationship that gives me significance. Mm-hmm. And it never could do that. So it's really a grace. It's helping you see. It is. Yeah. 
I can't get it there. And it's an invitation to get that from the Lord. Right. I think we see that with motherhood over and over again, just how many things it exposes that were always in our heart, but we were Mm -hmm. able to manage them. You know, we were able to manage our unhealthy expectations or other people's unhealthy expectations, whether that's parents or in-laws, those relationships often get strained when we become Mm -hmm. moms and become parents because suddenly we don't have as much capacity and we can't meet the needs of the people that we were meeting before, whether that's our own or others. And so it's just, that's why there's so many conversations we have around, you know, motherhood because it's like everything gets tossed up in the air in a sense and it has mm-hmm. to, it has to find a new place to land. And you're like, where, where does this belong? Where does this fit now? Are you a female entrepreneur with a small or budding business? Would you describe your online presence as eh, lackluster at best? Well, girl, you're in luck because you're who I work with and making people shine online is what I do. This podcast is my passion, but in my day-to-day work, I am actually a web and graphic designer. I specialize in working with small businesses run by female entrepreneurs. Why? Because I am one of you. So I just get you. I get how you want to show up online as stellar and amazing as you do in person already. You want a system for growing your email list, converting traffic into customers. And most of all, you just want someone you can trust to execute all of that without a million redos or false starts. I know how hard it is to trust someone with your brand that feels kind of like one of your own children. But if you want to chat about your business's website or digital presence, I'm your girl. Let's set a time to chat for 15 minutes on the phone. Go ahead and email me at Haley at kindledpodcast.com or you can book a call with me at hwilliamscreative.com. So what does gospel friendship look like? And what does it look like when we are truly enjoying the intimacy and the closeness that we are meant to have with God first? And then, you know, from that place, having healthy friendships. Sure. Yeah, I think it does start there. Like my battle for friendship does start in my prayer closet. It starts in meeting with God regularly and looking to him. And then after that, you know, you think about these first two commands, these simple commands that were given in the new Testament that Jesus affirms are important. Love God with all that you are, and then love your neighbor as yourself. And neighbor just means a nearby person. (laughs) When Jesus expounds on this to the lawyer who's questioning him, he tells a story about a person who was in the road that they came across. It was a nearby person. And he asked them, you know, who was a good neighbor. And so what we tend to do is want to curate and cultivate our friendships based on what we want out of friendship. And again, that's not a biblical concept. That's a secular cultural concept. And so being somebody who is going to have a biblical mindset on friendship means I'm getting my needs met God. And then I'm looking literally to the people who are nearby me who are right around me and I'm going to build friendships with them. And we need people in our lives who hold to a Christian worldview and can like fight for us in our walk with God for sure. So for me, that looks like being in a local church and the small group that I happen to be in, those are my nearby people. They're literally right around me. And I'm not going to look at what other in group I want to be in, in my church. I'm going to look at who's right in front of me and build friendships there. And I'm also going to do that in my neighborhood. And with my children, who are the closest neighbors that I have. And as our kids get older, they need that friendship with us. They need a relationship with us. And it does take time. And so we're building friendships with our spouse and our kids, if we have that, with our roommates, if you're single, um, with our neighbors in our neighborhood, the people who we see every day, and then those in our local church that are 
already around us, sitting in the pew next to us in our small group. Mm-hmm. That's where we we show sacrificial love to people in friendship. And that's what we're called to is to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. And it helps me to simplify it to that instead of trying to go, what kind of friend do I need in this season? You know, mm-hmm. and try to look around for the right person to fit the bill. That's not a right way to think about it. That's me going, what can I get out of friendship? And what yeah. God's called me to do is go, what can I give? And in giving friendship to other people, my soul's going to be healthy. And I'm, I'm going to receive what he's intended for me to receive, even if it's not my preference. Yeah, man, that's hard. <laughs> Cause yeah, we do, <laughs> we do get an idea. Yeah. It's like, I've got this like friend shaped hole in my life and I know exactly right. what it looks like. <laughs> and I need to fill that with, oh, this girl, she'll fit, you know, she's perfect. Totally. And then mm-hmm. you'll seek after that and like, Hey, let's, you know, and there's, again, there's, it's not that this is in and of itself wrong, but right. I think if we're doing it from the wrong place and being like, I'm going to manufacture my solution in this friendship, I think we will always be let down, you know, and it, totally. it will only perpetuate the cycle of like, Oh, that didn't do it. And then it, you're just going to go, you're just going to continually try and fill that with more and more friends and it will right. never be enough. And I think this is a hard truth, but we have to face this truth that when we're doing that, we're really just using people. Oh man. It's not love. It's not what God calls love, which is sacrificial. I'm willing to sacrifice my own preferences for your sake. It's looking to another human being Mm -hmm. and going, I have a need and I think you can meet it. So I'm going to pursue you, not because I care about you, but because I actually care about myself. And that, I know that's a hard and heavy thing to hear, but it's been so eye-opening for me and clarifying. And it's helped kind of unmuddy the waters of friendship for me. When it can feel complicated, it helps me to just kind of level the playing field and go, am I in this to get something? And if my answer is yes, it doesn't mean I ignore that person, but it can help me just calm down a little bit and go, I don't need to go out of my way to try and reach out to that person because I don't think I'm actually doing that because I care about them. Yeah, I'll pray totally. like, Lord, help me care about this person and be for their good. I'm going to pray for them right now. And then you've actually put several people right under my nose that I'm ignoring because they don't seem to have the, like what it, what I want and what I need. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to repent of that and go, how, God, show me how to love those people right in front of me this week, sacrificially. And it, it just feels, it's harder, but it's simpler. And yeah. I think what we're called to and, and that the clarification of I'm just using people and I do friendship that way has been a hard truth to swallow, but it's really helped me and yeah. really ushered me into a place where I can start building healthy friendships that are really meaningful and end up being, surprise, surprise, exactly what I need in every season. Yes, like, wow, right. God, I guess you actually do know what I need better than me. And you put me yeah. in it exact right place. And then like he meets our needs through that, but he also meets the needs of others through that. Like, cause if you are being that kind of friend, you are reaching out and seeking to love and care for someone, not because they're going to meet your need, but because you truly do care about them and you want their best and you are checking in to see how they're doing or, you know, asking how you can help them or asking how you can pray for them. Like those things you know, I mean, imagine how many people receive that kind of a communication from a friend and it is just the balm that their soul needs in that mm-hmm. moment from God. And yet, you know, it's like when we're, when we're all kind of, of course, we, we know this is true. We see it in the Bible. Like when we're all kind of playing according to God's rules, like everything goes better. And it doesn't mean mm-hmm. there's never any challenges. It doesn't mean like 
there isn't sin and that we don't have to work through things in some of the brokenness that we still have to live in. But there is a design here that God has Mm -hmm. created and crafted and it it works like his way works best. Well, and some of the friendships God has purposed for my life have been really full of conflict. And so I'm glad you said that because it doesn't mean it's all going to go peachy and, and wonderful. But again, those have been graces. It is through those friendships that God has exposed some blind spots that I had in my life that were very dangerous to me, helped Mm -hmm. me see patterns of living and behavior that I kind of dubbed in my head as like, you know, selfless or sacrificial that were actually self-protective and keeping me isolated. And that was really painful to grow through. I think conflict is is inevitable when we're talking about building friendships with other sinners. We're going to sin against people and they're going to sin against us and we're going to all have to address it. And that's not going to be fun, but that's part of God's design in friendship for the Christian is that through these other people in our lives, we would be forced to see ourselves for who we really are, which is not fun, but it's an opportunity for change and growth. And then we will be an agent of that for other people as well. Extending grace to one another and mercy and praying for one another along the way And it's through that, that we actually become more made into the likeness of Christ, which is what we all want anyway. Yeah. Hopefully. In one of your blog posts, you asked the question, what does gospel friendship look like? And you gave these four points that we just talked through, I think, but I just want to encapsulate them for people. You said a gospel friendship helps us enjoy God, exposes sin, which you just mentioned. And I think then you said encourages us to obey God and then brings us to God. And I'm guessing that last part, that last point is about prayer. Is that true? Prayer. And I think that shows up in, in service as well. Like there are Mm. seasons where we actually can't do it on our own. And sometimes physically people, you know, think about the, I think about some of my single friends who are away from family and like going in for surgery. It's like, you need someone to pick you up. Mm-hmm. from surgery and drive you home. Mm-hmm. Like there are things we physically can't do on our own and we need people for, and that's part of how we carry one another physically. Sometimes people are in seasons of depression or just apathy that they cannot get out of without friends fighting for them in prayer and in encouragement daily. And sometimes that's what we're called to in friendship is to be giving more than we're getting because that friend needs us to carry them. And like the friends carried Jesus and you know dug up the roof, that paralytic man couldn't get to Jesus on his own. He needed his friends. Yeah. And every season of our life, sometimes we're going to have times where that's what we're called to do for a friend um, is carry them to, to the Lord in prayer, but sometimes through physical acts of service as well. Yeah. I have so many more things I want to talk to you about, but I'm going to hit a couple of the really important ones before we run out of time. So this is a time of the year where everyone's thinking about love. You know, it's Valentine's Day and we see a lot of, you know, we mentioned it earlier, disillusionment with marriage and with romantic love. And so you were talking to me before we started recording about kind of what you're seeing in the culture in regards to how friendship is kind of taking the place of that. Can you just kind of explain that to listeners? Totally. I think that, you know, there's always been some ways that we have unhealthy idolatrous intimacy. We're looking at intimacy with other human beings in a way that is taking God's place um, and idolatrous intimacy. And that happens in heterosexual relationships all the time. And I think the church can do a better job of calling that out. Total side note. (laughs) Yes. But it happens in friendships too. And the challenge and problem can be is when we start doing that with our friends, it can lead to 
unhealthy, just like it, it leads to unhealthy physical intimacy in an idolatrous relationship, maybe with a boyfriend or, mm-hmm. you know, someone else, it can do the same thing in a friendship. And I've actually walked with a lot of people who that's not even been on their radar. Same-sex attraction is not even something that has like crossed their mind and has been distasteful to them. But they've gotten themselves into friendships where they had a best friend who was meeting all of their needs that they were totally dependent on that this person has become their God, little G, you know, their functional savior from everyday life. And that slowly over time morphed into sexual behavior. And Mm -hmm. it was so surprising. I mean, almost every woman I talked to was so caught off guard by it that they had like, no way to explain what had happened besides, I don't know why it feels so natural to be with my best friend in this way that's kind of sexual, physically intimate, Hmm. but it it feels right. But I still want to be married to a man. I'm so confused. I mean, I've heard that hundreds of times, more times than I could count. And I think that all that's happening is what God says happens in Romans 1. We start worshiping the creature, not the creator. We're worshiping Mm -hmm. a human being and saying, you are my everything. And that leads to distorted desires. And it happens on all playing fields. It can happen with money. It can happen with success, that our love for that thing can distort our sexuality and how we use it. But it happens in friendship too. It's very common and it is a result of idolatry. But I think we're seeing that happen more and more. And of course, couple that with what our world is telling us is happening in that moment, Mm -hmm. which is, oh, you're just a lesbian and you didn't know it. Yeah, the re- a huge recipe for confusion and disaster. And what I really think is happening is, hey, you're just you're a sinner. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the sinner club. Right. And your sin has expressed itself in this way, and that's doesn't mean anything about your identity. Yes, but it is a call for repentance, just like any other version of distorted sexuality is. So, yeah, you said that in the blog that you just said it so like precisely you said God doesn't make lesbian women and heterosexual women. He makes women. God doesn't make gay men and straight men. He makes men. And then you quoted Genesis 127, male and female, he created them. And mm-hmm. just I mean that you're you're talking about that you even then in the next paragraph talk about Romans one, the same thing. And you're how, if we're worshiping a person, we are inviting distorted desires into our lives. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you said, the, the culture confuses us because it says this is an identity level discussion now. Like you mm-hmm. are something, something else than you thought you are someone else than you thought. And that does not offer us a solution. You know, if we make it an identity level thing, instead of a lifestyle, and uh, like how we're choosing to actually live and saying, no, this doesn't change my identity. I am mm-hmm. who God made me. But these distorted desires are there. There's actually an answer for us in scripture of what is happening there. And I think you just, ex, you know, explain that really clearly and in, in a very grace filled way, because it's like, hey, like you said, this is not you are not alone and this is not. Right weird or uncommon or, you know, makes you just someone who's unlovable or any of that. But it's actually, this is exactly what God said would happen Mm -hmm. when we put our desires on the wrong thing. Right. And I think it's important for everybody to hear that we are all capable of that. Yes. Every single one of us. I've, I've talked to women who are in hard places in their marriages 30 years into marriage Mm -hmm. and who find themselves in a friendship that gets way too idolatrous and exclusive, and they start acting out sexually with that friend while they're married. That's very common as well. So we're all capable of this. And I think like that's a truth that we don't want to hear, but it's true. The Bible is clear on that. 
we're just male or female sinners. And this is one way that that can pop up in our lives. And I do know there's people who struggle with same-sex attraction and, and have that's been part of their life their whole life. It was not a result of friendship. And, right. But there are a lot of people that that has not even been a thought until they were in a place where they were in, in some unhealthy relational idolatry. And yeah. this just kind of sideswiped them just out of nowhere right? and threw some confusion their way. But it's very normal and a call to run back to Jesus and yeah. get out of that friendship to essentially say, I'm going to be, I'm going to be your the best friend that I can be to you by staying away and going, you need to walk with Christ over there and I need to walk with him over here. And we're going to be for one another through separating from one another for a time because we're just causing one another to sin. And so we're going to chase Christ and ask him to heal what is broken in this friendship and in our lives. I think Rosaria Butterfield talks about it this way. I I think in one of her books, um, is it her or someone else, but she, I, the quote I'm thinking of is um, women and men could be such better friends to one another if they would stop sinning against one another, Mm. you know, and just that idea of like that, that is what you're doing to someone when you are abusing the friendship in the way that it was really meant to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think again, you know, a, a lot of people are like, Oh, this doesn't apply to me, but just to, just to be aware, like it may not apply to you, but it may apply to someone you know, and you may have a friend who walks through a situation like this or experiences this, and it will be helpful for you to not kind of like make them feel, I don't know, on uh, like mm-hmm. completely other, you know, if, if this situation does occur, but rather to be able to identify what's going on and go, oh, you know what? Like, I actually think I, you know, not that I, I know, but I might, might actually have an idea of what's happening here. Have you right. considered that this is what has happened and you've, it's not that you have always had these same sex feelings or attraction, but you've just allowed this friendship to take a place of an idol in your heart. And this is exactly what God says will happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a good opportunity for all of us too, to pull the weeds of, of this type of friendship idolatry when we see it at the beginning, mm-hmm. knowing that if we don't and we keep watering it, it has every potential to grow into that no matter who we are, no matter married or single or what we think we feel sexually attracted to that sin is bound up in all of our hearts and it's we need to weed the garden when those weeds are small and so that starts with when that friendship gets disrupted and you feel those things to in that moment go I'm going to repent I'm going to turn to the Lord and, and pull that weed out. Yeah. And that's how we protect our own hearts and the hearts of others in our community from these type of situations. Yeah. And then know that like, there is so much grace for you to turn from your sin and run back to Jesus. And that that's, that's why he died because there, there can right. be grace for you now because of that. So thanks for t- touching on that. And the last thing yeah. I want to slide in here before we have to go is the idea of toxic friends. Cause this is a, a really trendy topic right now of like toxic relationships. What do you think about that whole concept? Yeah. I do think that there are friendships that we get into that are so unhealthy or the person we're trying to build a friendship with is in such a bad place mm-hmm. that we do have to say, man, I can't, I can't continue in this friendship. But I think most people come to that conclusion far sooner than they should and with far less work put into it than they should do. Um, that the scripture calls us when we're offended, when we're hurt or sinned against by someone else, that we should go to them and tell them what has happened and how we've been wronged and address it. And 
that's the part that most of us don't want to do. We have maybe somebody in our life we would call a toxic friend. But when I, when I really ask people questions about this, I'll ask, well, have you told that person X, Y, Z, you know, have you said, Hey, you are super draining and never ask me how I'm doing. And you're always, you know, (laughs) need this or that they'll say, well, not directly. I'm like, well, what have you said? And then when I I get the truth of it, it's, they've kind of beat around the bush that like, they're not really happy in this friendship. And then they just decide they want to bounce. It's like, okay, we we have to start with, you have to speak the truth in love. Ephesians four calls us to put aside falsehood and stop being a fake friend that says, oh, we're good when we're not. Right, right. And to say, you have hurt me and this is how, and I'm not okay with it and we need to talk about it. Mm-hmm. And if they don't listen, you say, well, let's, can we talk with someone else? Mm-hmm. Matthew 18, Jesus tells us, pull another person in yeah. and process with them. And that's all really hard work. It's uncomfortable. It's agonizing. It exposes all our insecurities. It's fearful. Uh, we don't know how people are going to respond, but that's what we're called to. And if you've walked down all those roads and that person is still hard-hearted and being hurtful to you, I think you do have scripturally reason to say, I need to back away and to let them know that, not just do it without telling them. So I do think there are such things as that. And I do think we're called to be concerned about who our friends are and who we're being influenced by. But we're, we're often too quick to just cut out friendships when we haven't even given that person an opportunity to grow or maybe see the blind spot that is in their life that they don't know that they have. Right. Yeah, that's a really great reminder. Man, so I could talk to you about this all day. So is there any kind of final word of encouragement or admonition that you'd have for someone who is feeling like this whole area of friendship is just kind of raw and and painful for them to think about or deal with? Just the the biggest encouragement I would have is that God is a really good friend. Mm, And most people don't actually think that if they're honest, God seems distant. He can't talk back to me. He can't give me a hug. Like, how could he be a good friend? Like, how can I have a relationship with him that is real and actually impactful in my life? I talked about this at length in the very middle of my book, because I do think it is the key to healthy biblical friendships. But just, I would want you to hear God is a really good friend. Mm -hmm. He's a good comforter. He's a good companion. He hears, he is present and he knows our weaknesses and he does expose them, but, but not with a, a heart to just discourage us or deflate us, but with a heart to heal us and change us and restore us into a, a version of ourselves we didn't even know was possible. Yeah. So he's a good friend. And that's if you are tender and sore in the area of friendship, you have to start there and bring the wounds you have in friendship to him, spend time with him, get to know him read your Bible, get to know who this God is and spend actual time talking to him, not just talking about him to others and have eyes to listen to him and start there, cultivate that friendship with him and find safe people who might be older than you, mentors or pastor's wife or somebody and say, I'm, I'm just in a a bad place in this area. And we, I'm going to start pursuing the Lord and finding a deeper friendship with him. Mm -hmm. We pray for me as I do that and support me in that. And I think we need people in the journey as well. So, yeah, I thought about, as you were talking the the scriptures that actually talk about Jesus as our older brother Yeah, <laughs> and our, you know, the friend that, well, first of all, I thought of, he's, you know, the friend that is closer than a brother, 
Mm-hmm. And yet it also refers to him as our o- older brother. And so, you know, when I think about, I don't have an older sibling, I'm the oldest, <laughs> but if I think about what does an older brother do? Like they protect you. They are there for you. Like they're going to fight off the bad guys. You know, mm-hmm. they are, they are kind of like the one you would run to if you felt threatened or alone or, you know, afraid, like they would be there for you and they're stronger and mm-hmm. bigger. And, and they kind of, I don't know. I just, when, when we think of him in that way, like not only is he the friend that is closer than a brother, but he, he is that person in our lives and he is there and he's available to you. But Mm -hmm. I think we just so often forget because he's not, you know, sitting across the table from us with a latte in his hand that like (laughs) that we can bring our burdens to him and we can bring him that hurt and that pain and that he does desire to heal us and to, and to bring us freedom ultimately. And we don't have Mm -hmm. to walk in submission or slavery to sin or brokenness or loneliness, any of those things. Mm Yeah. Yeah. And well, thank you so much for bringing the truth about friendship today. I would totally encourage everyone listening to check out your your book, Friendish, if they want to learn and read more about this topic. And where can they find you online and, and stay connected with you? Sure. Yeah, you can follow me on Instagram or Facebook. I do both of those. And I have a website you mentioned where I just try to keep, you know, anything I put a lot of resources up there, Bible study resources, as much free content as I can to just pass along the things that that people have helped me see and grow in. Learning to cultivate that intimacy with God has has come through a lot of other people along the way in my life. And so I'm hoping that my website, which is just kellyneedham.com, can be that for people as well to find the tools that they need to grow in a deeper relationship with Jesus. Yeah. Your website is incredible. You have a ton of content on there. So that's definitely a great place. I'll link that in the show notes for anyone who's listening. Well, thank you so much, Kelly. Thanks, Haley, for having me. Thanks for tuning in today, guys. I really pray that that conversation met you in places that you both knew you needed to be met and maybe even places that you didn't know, that you were longing for hope and for truth and grace in your life. And I'm continuing to pray over everyone listening to this this week because I know this is something that is truly so difficult for so many of us, if not all of us. And I know there's some friendships that are hurting in your life and some that you are just praising God for right now because you are being reminded how rare it is to have a friend like that one that that is in your mind because I know I have those people too. But thank you for listening. Come find me on Instagram and let's connect over there that my tag username, whatever is Haley Williams kindled H A L E Y. And I would love to have you say hi and let me know who you are, where you live, all that. It's always good to connect with you guys in, you know, virtual life as much as possible. Okay. Have an amazing week and I will see you back here next Monday.